Richard Wormbrand was a Lutheran pastor in communist uh, Romania before it fell. And because of his faith in Christ and the gospel message that he proclaimed, he spent 14 years in prison, three of which were in solitary confinement. His wife was also arrested, and she spent uh, three years in prison. And because of their imprisonment, they left their nine-year-old son homeless. Uh, fortunately, a Christian couple risked imprisonment as well by taking this boy in uh, during their parents' prison sentences until um, his mom got out. Well, besides imprisonment, Pastor Wormbrand was tortured because of his faith in Christ. He and the other political prisoners had to sit in uh, hard back chairs upright for 17 hours a day. They couldn't lean back in the chairs. They couldn't rest their heads in their hands. They were struck when they closed their eyes. And while they were sitting there, they would hear words repeated over and over uh, over a loudspeaker. Communism is good. Christianity is stupid. Nobody believes in Christ anymore. Give up. His captors tried to get him to reveal the locations of the underground church. Uh, these meetings, they were beating him, trying to get him to reveal these locations. Uh, they were beating him on the soles of his feet, so much so that uh, when he got out of prison, he couldn't wear shoes. Uh, he couldn't stand for more than just a few minutes. And during the 14 years that Pastor Wormbrand was in prison, he never had a Bible, a book, a piece of paper, or a pen. In fact, he forgot how to write. During that time, he never saw a woman or a child. He had hardly anything to eat. Sometimes a chunk of bread would have to last an entire week. In 14 years, he never saw a color, only gray walls and gray uniforms in the half-lit cells. He forgot that pink, blue, brown, green, and red existed. After he was ransomed from the prison with $10,000 that were raised by supporting churches, he was still met with opposition from communists who were supposed to be Christians. They would ask him what gave him the right to speak out like he did. And he would strip from uh, down to his waist right there in the pulpit. And he would show them the 18 torture scars that he had. He said, these are the marks of my credentials. Well, by God's grace, Pastor Wormbrand never revealed a single name or location. Uh, and he did not deny Jesus for the sake of his freedom. Now, why would someone endure 14 years of prison and torture when they could have easily been released just by denying their faith? Why would they risk putting their family in danger when they could just stay quiet and stay out of trouble? Well, Jesus gives our answer in this text today that Jack just read. We notice as we look at John 15 today uh, what Jesus does not say. He doesn't tell his disciples, be careful not to speak about me in public settings because you may attract unwanted attention. Or only speak to those who seem to be receptive to Christianity. Instead, Jesus begins to prepare his disciples for his inevitable departure and the trials that they are going to face because they are his followers. They are going to be persecuted 
because of the message that they're going to be bringing to the world. And the first reason that Jesus gives as to why they are going to proclaim this message in spite of the danger that they face is because he's going to send them the Holy Spirit, the Helper. He's called the Spirit of Truth. And without the Holy Spirit's power, they were just a bunch of frightened men and women hiding in an upper room from the Jews. We see this in John 20, verse 19. But once they were filled with the Spirit, they began to throw caution to the wind and charged out into the streets to declare God's love message to the world. And so was this invasion of the body snatchers where they're somehow compelled regardless of their own free will? Absolutely not. They still had a choice. But the big difference once the spirit of truth came upon them was that now suddenly they had an eternal view. When we walk with the spirit, when he works in our hearts, this is what happens. We begin to have an eternal view. He helps us to look beyond the temporal danger, the comforts, the threats, and the pleasures. And in our day and age, the social accolades. This is why it was unthinkable for Pastor Wormbrand to even consider denying the Lord for the sake of his earthly freedom. Was it difficult? Beyond a doubt. There were days that he wanted to give up. But the Lord was right there with him in that cell, giving him the strength that he needed for the moment. Listen to one such experience that Pastor uh, Richard has in his own words here. and This is a quote from him. At once the walls of the cell began to shine like diamonds. I have heard Bach. I have heard Beethoven. I have seen California. I have seen Napoli. I have seen many beautiful things, but never have I seen the beauties that I have seen in that dark cell beneath the earth. They were 30 feet underground, never seen the sun or the sky. Never have I heard such beautiful music that day that the King of Kings, Jesus, was with us. We saw his understanding and loving eyes as he wiped away our tears and said to us words of love and words of forgiveness. We knew that everything evil in our lives had passed away and been forgotten by God. We were with Christ and didn't even know we were in prison. Now, you may never face the kind of persecution that the Christians saw in Romania under communism, although I believe that there's a strong chance that in my lifetime this may happen in our particular country. And so, by allowing the Holy Spirit to have his way in our lives, we prepare even in the mundane, we prepare for things that could possibly come in our future. Pastor David Johnson, who was the uh, senior pastor at Church of the Open Door in Maple Grove, Minnesota, puts it this way. He said, you cannot prepare for the evil day in the evil day. You have to prepare for the evil day before it comes, because if you're not prepared, you will not stand. The reason that Pastor Richard was able to withstand the pressure of persecution was because he was already being led by the Spirit before he was kidnapped. Jesus goes on in verse 27 of uh, ch uh, chapter 15 here and says, And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So the first reason we bear witness is because of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
The second reason we bear witness is because we have seen Jesus. The disciples had seen Jesus. They had seen what he had done. They had the miracles, the dead raised, the lives touched, prostitutes giving up their trade, Roman centurions proclaiming that he's the son of God right in front of other soldiers. At times when Pastor Wormbrand was in prison, he was housed with more than 200 other prisoners in a single room. And these were political prisoners from all over the country, not just Christians. Some of them were professors who had spoken out against communism. The brothers there tried to witness to some of these old hardened profs. One brother in Christ, who was a simple farmer with no formal education, made it his mission to convert one of these professors. And the professor mocked his religion. But the farmer said, I walk and talk with Jesus every day. I've seen him with my own eyes. And the professor laughed and said, You have not seen Jesus. He lived over 2,000 years ago and died on a Roman cross. But the farmer insisted, You're wrong, sir. He smiles at me. How does he smile at you, asked the professor. Just then, Pastor Wormbrand saw this farmer begin to smile. Now remember that this place here was a place where they were unbathed, practically starved, and depraved of medical attention. Never could you imagine an uglier-looking crew. But as that farmer began to smile and his face began to shine, it transformed into the most beautiful face right in front of them. And shocked, the professor cried out, Sir, you have truly seen Jesus. You know, many people fear witnessing about Jesus. They think, what if I can't give a theological answer to this person? Or what if they present me with a biblical paradox that I can't explain correctly? Well, I say never fear. If you've been with Jesus, if you've been forgiven of your sins, no one can argue against a testimony of a life that's been touched by the Master. This was the case for the disciples. As they stood before the Sanhedrin, in Acts 4.13 it says, Now when they had seen the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That was the factor. They'd been with Jesus. After Jesus tells his disciple that their main mission is to bear witness about him, he warns them about what's going to happen to them because of this. We see this in verse 2 of chapter 16. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think that they're offering a service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. Notice the contrast here. The disciples had been with Jesus. They knew him. Those who persecuted them did not know him, Jesus, or the Father. And this was very surprising because the main ones who were going to be throwing them into jail, the main ones that were going to have them beaten, were supposed to know God the best. It was actually their job. Down through history, this has been the case. Consider the Reformation. Martin Luther's attackers were not the common people. They were the priests, the cardinals, the pope. Those who were supposed to be representing God to the masses. But they had a major misunderstanding about how God works salvation in man. 
They were telling people that God's grace could be purchased through indulgences or the viewing of relics. And when Luther began to question them, they excommunicated him. In fact, he had to hide out for a year in the Workburg Castle because they were trying to kill him. Did you know that every one of the 12 apostles, except for John, were martyred? While Bartholomew was declaring the gospel message to the king of Armenia, the statues of their god fell over and broke into pieces. And so incensed, he had him beaten with rods and beheaded. James, the son of Alphaeus, was clubbed to death. Andrew was crucified by the Romans in Greece. Peter was crucified upside down in Rome. Thomas was speared to death by an outraged pagan priest. James, the son of Zebedee, was killed with a sword by Herod. Philip was crucified in Phrygia. Matthew was killed by the spear of an Ethiopian. Jude was crucified in Edessa. Simon the Zealot was crucified in Britain. And John died of old age, but he had spent a significant time on a Roman prison island named Patmos. Now, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're going to be martyred for your faith. Because much depends on the time, location, and circumstances that you're born into. At certain times in history, Christians have been able to live out their lives in relative peace. And actually, the scriptures encourage this. We are not to seek out persecution. Paul encouraged the Christians in Rome to, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Make an effort, work hard, obey the authorities, raise families, enjoy the life that God has given you. But don't let peace and prosperity lull you to sleep. Be ready at any time to give the gospel message to those who are lost around you. In modern America, I have never heard of anyone being executed for their faith here in this country. But that doesn't mean persecution is unheard of. One example in recent history is the persecution of Masterpiece Cake Shop in Colorado. They refused to make a cake for a homosexual wedding. And the state Supreme Court found them in violation of civil rights. Thankfully, it went on to the Supreme Court of the United States, and it was struck down. But that didn't end the attack of the shop because a particular lawyer who was going through a transgender operation wanted a cake with a pink outside and a blue inside. And they said, no, we're not going to do that cake for you. And so these battles have continued on. And this is happening in more and more places because public opinion is swaying significantly regarding these kinds of issues. And Christians who believe the plain text of the Bible that says that there are certain things that God says are sin and certain things that are not sin. Those who believe that are becoming ostracized, socially labeled as bigots, hypocrites. How would you react if something happened like this to us? What if next week a lesbian couple walked through our door and said, Pastor Scott, we want you to marry us. And I said, I'm sorry, according to our constitution and the things that have been decided by the leadership here, we do not do that because we don't believe it's scriptural. And actually, they weren't really wanting to get married here. They just knew that that was our stance. 
And so they were attacking us, particularly as a conservative, fundamental Christian church. Okay. What if that happened here? What if you were out there among your friends and they saw that in the paper? And what if they turned to you and said, hey, don't you go to that church? What are you going to say? How are you going to react when suddenly you see that coming against you? It's coming. It's coming all around us, right? We are going to see these things happening in our day and age. Do we cave to the opinion of public pressure? Jesus warned his disciples about this persecution that was coming so that when it happened, they wouldn't fall away. They wouldn't fall away from believing. And many have fallen away because of this, because of the things that are going on in our society. It's becoming less and less socially acceptable in the U.S. to be a Bible-believing Christian. And the time is coming when it may cost you something to bear the name of Christ. How will you react? Will you stand firm, even if it means the loss of your job, your reputation, your freedom, your physical health, or even your life? Let's ask the question that many would ask from a worldly perspective in regard to Pastor Wormbrand. Did God let Pastor Wormbrand down by allowing him to be captured and tortured in such a fashion? All he needed to do was not make a big stink about it, right? Just lay low, don't say anything, don't ruffle anybody's feathers. If he were to stand before us today, Pastor Wormbrand would say, no, God did not let me down. At one point during his imprisonment, he had become very tired, weary of the battle, and he prayed to the Lord, I do not have your written word to read, I do not have the joy of communion, I do not have fellowship with the brothers and sisters in Christ to cheer me, but there are many instances in scriptures that you spoke directly to your people, even if they were formerly evil, like Saul of Tarsus, who persecuted the church and killed Christians. And as I have nobody to speak with me, would you speak to me tonight? And so in exceptional circumstances, the Lord does exceptional things. And that night, he spoke audibly to Pastor Wormbrand. But he didn't say what Pastor Richard thought that he would, would say. He didn't speak words of comfort, words of strength. He asked him a question. He said, what is your name? Now, Pastor Wormbrad didn't want to say my name is Richard because he knew of a Richard in England that was killed for his faith. He didn't want to say, I am pastor, because he knew that he had not tended the flock of God like he should have. He didn't want to say, I am Christian, because he knew that the first century Romans killed the Christians. And so he bowed before the Lord. He said, I have no name. Let me bear your name. And so Paul faced the same kind of torture, imprisonment, and threat, and death as Pastor Wormband had. And this was his prayer as well. Not that I live, but that Christ lives through me. If persecution comes for us, remember that they hated Jesus first, so it's only natural that they would hate those whose sole purpose is to have Christ live through them and to bear his name. Let's pray. 
Father God, we see things all around us in our culture today. Things that are scary, things that are hard to understand. Lord, help us to stand on the one place that we can find the truth, on your word. Help us to not waver from that as a church, as a people, as we talk to those around us, even if it means persecution, even if it means the swaying of public opinion, Lord. Help us, O God. We are weak. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street, Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you and may God bless you the rest of your day.